You know, I don't know about you, every so often I, when I'm traveling, I'll, I'll go through an area that has no cell phone service, right? So once in a while, there's in particular, there's a place between, my son lives in southern Oregon, and the, when I drive up there, the, the fastest way to go there is through the middle of nowhere, and north and west of Winnemucca, and there's a little place along the border of Oregon and Nevada and California where there's about, about along Highway 140, where there's, where there's about 40, 50 miles of absolutely zero cell service at all, no matter what carrier you have, you know, and so... When I get, go through that area, I just know I plan ahead. I'm not going to have a chat, you know, with Sally on, as I'm driving home that long drive. And I know that uh, um, if I, you know, have a problem, I just i am going to wait for hours along the side of the road, this lonely road, till somebody drives along, right, and hope they stop. And, you know, I was thinking about that because I feel like that is kind of a little bit of a picture of what life would be like without prayer, Right, to be ultimately disconnected from communication in some, some really the ultimate sense with God. And how would you get help? How would you, how would you talk to him and share your life without prayer? So today, we're in our second week of our new series, Breakthrough Disciplines. And uh, it's based on this premise that Jesus said that he came to give us life to the full. Okay, and, and, and we're learning that life to the full, that rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised, to a great extent happens through spiritual practices, habitual practices, we're calling them spiritual disciplines, that Christians for centuries, ever since the time of Jesus and the Apostle Paul, have been doing, they're rooted in the Bible, and that much of that full life that he promises comes out of these practices that develop connection with him. One of those, probably the most fundamental one that most of us have some familiarity with is prayer. And so today we want to talk with you about prayer and how to pray for God to work in your life. Now, I know that uh, you know, in, in a room like this, there's people, we're all over the place in our spiritual experience. Some of you are Masters of prayer, and others of you, prayer is really new and different. You go like, man, I don't even know how to pray. How do I even do that? And I remember when I first began to follow Jesus as a young adult, that I had to completely relearn everything I knew about prayer. So I grew up in a religious home, but, our, but we practiced prayer that was very formal, uh, very stiff. And yeah, that we pray before meals and meetings and stuff like that, but using King James language, thee and thou, and it, it just felt very formal, and it never felt like something that I wanted to do on my own in my own private life. I never felt like connected or close to God at all. And so I'm going like as a new Christian, I'm going, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to pray. And, and thankfully... Jesus addresses that issue. There's a place in Luke chapter 11 where his followers come to him and they ask him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Let me read that to you a little bit. Jesus was in a certain place praying and as he finished, one, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, I can relate to that. You know, maybe, maybe you can too. You say, man, I would love to see a breakthrough in my life from anxiety or anger or discouragement or addiction or whatever it might be, but I don't even know how to pray for that. Well, Jesus went on to say, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open to those people. So Jesus says, 
You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give him a snake instead? If they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. See, he's trying to illustrate God's heart for us when we approach him in prayer. This is the generous heart of God. And Jesus goes, he finishes this discourse by saying, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The point here, you can see what Jesus is saying is that God invites us to come to Him in prayer. God invites us to ask Him, to connect with Him in prayer. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into some of the practical nuts and bolts of prayer, I just want to kind of remind you of the premise of the series, kind of where we were, where we've been going for uh, in the last week and where we'll be headed in the future. We talked about last week how if you're looking for breakthrough in everyday life with thoughts, emotions, habits, don't just try harder in the moment of crisis, but train yourself on the spiritual discipline of prayer. So if you want breakthrough in your life, we, we want that instantly, right? So, so, so we're just going to think, I'm just going to grip my teeth, I'm just going to really push harder in that moment, and boom. But what, what we're learning in this series is that really breakthrough Life transformation, however you want to think about that, happens through connection. And as we're connected with Jesus, it's something that might not happen in an instant, but it's something that happens as we develop these habits. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. And so as we stay connected with Jesus, like branches to a vine, that's when we begin begin to see fruit happen, transformation happen. That's when we begin to see we become more and more like Jesus in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our actions, in our heart. We we begin to reflect him more and more, and that changes then the things that we really want to see God work in our life. And so one of the great ways to stay connected with him is through prayer. Now let me just say, what we're talking about here today is not necessarily the prayer of desperation. Now, for some of us, maybe that's the only kind of experience we have much with prayer. Like, like I'm, you know, I'm about to fall off a cliff. God, help me. Or in that moment of crisis, God, help me. That's great. God answers those kind of, he hears those kind of prayers. But we're talking about life change and transformation. We're talking about a purposeful habit of prayer that helps us stay connected with him day in, day out, whether we're in a moment of desperation or not. So let's take a look at, first of all, some really, I hope, practical. For some of you, they're going to be simple. For some of you, they're going to be really helpful. Some practical tips on how to engage in, how to develop that purposeful habit of prayer. Number one, find a time and place that works for you. Start with five minutes a day and then work toward longer times. So especially if you're new at prayer, you're still kind of learning how to do this, or my encouragement is that you know, don't try to take on too much at once. You know, sometimes we look around, we see his, uh, heroes of Christian history, or we see people that we know that are that seem like they pray all the time. We think, man, I gotta, I, I gotta pray for hours every day. You know, and here's the thing: don't compare yourself to anybody else, and start simple and learn and grow into it. But if you want to develop a habit of life, then practical things like, you know, find a great place to do that. Okay, so a place that you can go to on a regular basis, a great place would be a place where there's minimal distractions. 
So I can't really do it at my desk in my office because there's all this work beckoning to me, right? All these things that need to be done. So I have a, I have a place in our living room. I've got a comfortable chair, and there's not much distraction in that room. It's an attractive room. Or sometimes I'll just go out and take a walk. And there's a certain loop I'll do. It's about 45 minutes long in our neighborhood. And as I walk, I can just talk to God in prayer. So that's, you find a place that's conducive to the habit. And then the second thing is you want to find a regular time as much as you can within your routine, within your schedule. So here's the thing. If you want to create a habit in your life, then you need to make, make it fit with your routines, Routines help us to do things habitually, and so what's the best time for you? Now, a lot of people get up early in the morning and pray, and there's a lot of uh, uh, examples of that, you know, in Christian history, but, uh, you know, that's great if you can get up a few minutes before everybody else, and that kind of takes care of the distractions, and, and you can be, you can have the, the place to yourself before your kids wake up or whatever it is. Now, I'm not a morning person, and so, you know, if I get up and pray early in the morning, I end up sleep praying, right? You know what I'm talking about? So what I've found over the years is that the very best time for you to choose to pray is the time where you're most alert, where you're most engaged, where you can give yourself most fully to that connection with God. So for you, maybe it's a lunch break because your mind, you know, you're, you're, you're up and you're going and if you can find a place, you know, or maybe it's after work when you get home or maybe it's before you go to bed at night or, or maybe it's just a window in the evening. Whatever works best for you, you find this time and place to pray. And even Jesus did that. We see in Mark chapter 1, he says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So I guess Jesus was a morning person, right? I, he got up before it was dark, before it was light. So, but there you see time and place are both exemplified there. That's the point of this. And so, again, we're just saying just go five minutes. You know, if, if you're new to this, just go five minutes and start there. And then as you begin to learn some of the tools that we're talking about and it, your, your experience begins to grow, then you go 10. Then maybe you go 20. Then maybe you go 30. Or you find the place of time that works in your routine, in your schedule, where you can really connect with God. So that's number one. Now, a second practical thing we want to share with you today is to use music and scripture to get focused on God and start by praising or thanking Him before you start asking Him for things. So here's the thing. A lot of us think about prayer. We think about bringing our list to God, and prayer is primarily in our mind asking God for stuff. You know, I want to pray. I want to ask God for, uh, to bless my family and to help me at work and, and to help me financially and all the rest. And so, and that's valid. That's an important part of prayer. It's called intercession. But that, when you were just asking for things, that's just barely scratching the surface of prayer. Okay, so we want to also encourage you to spend some time focusing on God in praise and thanksgiving, remembering who God is and, and what He's like and what He's done for you. And that gives a whole different perspective when you get to the asking part, right? It helps us to put that all into balance. And, and two ways to do that, one is through worship music, one is through Scripture. So when, when I'm listening to worship music, 
then that helps elevate my thinking. It helps me remember what God is like. It helps me to, to focus more on Him. It engages my whole person, my mind, my emotions. And you know, any streaming service that you might have, music streaming is going to have playlists of great worship music. So I encourage you to go browse around and find some that maybe have some songs that are familiar to you that you can get into. And as, as soon as you hit play, then your heart and your mind starts reflecting along with the words of those songs and you start praying along with them. But for me, I also find Scripture to be really, really important part of this uh, because especially if I open the Psalms, for example, the Psalms remind me of who God is and what He's like. And in fact, if I don't know how to pray, I can just pray the words of the Psalms. I'll just borrow those words, those biblical, divinely inspired words, and start praying along with them. And And it reminds me of, really helps me get into this sense of who God is. And so... For example, let's look at one psalm, Psalm 145. He says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever, and I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. That's a great example. I could just pray right along with that. I could just pray those words. I could just say, God, I exalt you. My God and King, God, I praise you. You know, those are great prayer words, right? I can incorporate them. And what happens is that what my, my heart and my mind begin to move into the heavenly realm. And I begin to see how great God is and how worthy and how able he is to deal with my needs and, and what his heart is toward me. And so <clears throat> Jesus said it another way. In, in, in the Lord's Prayer, when he was teaching his followers how to pray, he said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So he says, here's the very first thing where you start your prayer is you start by focusing on God, remembering that he's Father, he's in heaven, his name is holy, all those things. So let me give you a little bit of a, of a prayer tool to help you that, that incorporates this. It's a little acrostic prayer. You can see what those things stand for. It starts with praise. If this is helpful to you, then use it, modify it, whatever. But praise, starting with praise, not just asking. Okay, but then... It goes to repentance. Repentance is good to talk to God about the things that um, he reveals to me in my life that might be a barrier between us and him, between me and him. Things that might get in the way. Things that I need to correct. Things that I need to own up to and admit in my life. And that's a great time for me to admit them and to confess them to him. And then I move into asking and all the things that, that, I would on, that are on my list that I want to see God do. And then yielding. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But this is the idea that, that I'm surrendering to what God wants, not just what I want. And then E is not an action, but it's an attitude, right? Expectancy. That I'm praying with expecting God to work. That's a prayer of faith. And then as you have time in your routine or in your schedule, you could, do, you could do it over again as much as you have time to do. And so what we're saying again is that we want to encourage you um, to start by not just asking but focusing on how great God is and letting that permeate your whole prayer experience as you connect with Him. Now, here's the third thing. If your mind wanders... When you pray, don't panic. Let those thoughts help you focus on the things that need prayer. So maybe you're a prayer veteran and you've, you've uh, figured out time and place and you've figured out praise and stuff, but you still, like me, you find your mind wandering. I, I have confessed that when I sit down and pray, it's easy for my mind to wander all over the place. And you know what? We all have things that are on our mind all the time, layers and layers of things that I come to prayer and they kind of intrude. Boom, here's this thought. This thought comes in and I'm trying to pray. 
And I have a list and some things that I know that are my priorities, and I'm praying off those, and boom, here comes this thought. And it's like, okay, what do I do with that? You're not unspiritual if you get distracted mentally in prayer. What do I do with that? Well, instead of just trying to banish those thoughts and have this whole mental effort trying to keep bringing myself back to my list, back, why not just pray about those things? There they are. They're, they're on your mind. They're on your heart. They're obviously important to you in some way. So why not just make it real and pray about them, right? So let's say I'm praying for Alpine Church one morning. Let's say yesterday... Yesterday I'm praying for Alpine Church. I'm praying for Leighton Campus and, 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 you know, and how, uh, what you guys are going to experience today and so forth. And, and let's say my mind keeps going to that difficult conversation that I need to have. And I can't stop thinking about, oh, I've got to talk to that guy. I've got to talk to that guy. About well, you know what? Why don't I just put the prayer for Alpine Church aside for a minute and pray about that conversation? Right and, and just really deal with God about that thing. Does that make sense? You're praying for your kids, you know, and, and, and suddenly a, a temptation comes into your heart. You know, instead of just trying to push it away, pray for it. You, you remember that you, you're kind of mad at somebody for something they said or did. Instead of trying to push it away, just pray for it. That is just, that, that's organic, that's real, um, real response. And so here's how one guy says it in this book, The Life You've Always Wanted. John Ortberg says, If my mind keeps returning to a particular topic during prayer, it's probably an indication that this is the topic that's of most concern to me and I need to talk to God about. All right? Make sense? Okay, what I want to do now, so I give you three practical tips. What I want to do now is to move away from the practical and the, the actions and talk a little bit more about attitudes. I want to talk to you about two underlying attitudes or ways that we approach prayer that I think are going to be helpful to you if you keep them in mind. So uh, the, the first one is I want to encourage you to pray with boldness and intent. God's not offended when you're honest about what's on our heart. So how many of us do you think, maybe you can ex uh, relate to this, we come to God with a certain level of timidity. We come to God with a certain level of uncertainty. Because I'm not really sure if God is really paying attention. I'm not really sure if God wants to hear what I'm about to say or that if, I, if I'm really open with him that he might go like, oh, come on, man, you know, like grow up or something like, and just kind of reject me. Or I just maybe it's because I'm just not sure what God wants me to pray, so I'm timid. But the Bible encourages us that we can pray with honesty, with, uh, with authenticity, with boldness. We can come to God. The, the, the word boldness in the New Testament just means to speak freely. We can speak freely to God about the things that are going on in our life, about the things that we want to see Him do. Okay, and, and we're invited to do that. Among other places, in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. So how many of us would say, yes, we are in the habit of coming boldly before the throne of God? And we have every reason to do that. Now, in the backdrop of this verse, what he's thinking about is the Old Testament system where there was one high priest who, came, who went into the most holy place one time a year to offer a sacrifice to represent all the people before God. The most holy place is the most holy place in the temple, the, the holy of holies in, old, in older translations. And nobody ever went there because it's too holy. 
One time a year, the high priest would go in. You know what? They tied a rope around his, his waist in case he was not ready to meet God or in case he blew it in some way. He would be struck dead and they could haul him out. Right? So that, that high priest went into the most holy place with fear and trembling. And he should have because God is a holy God. But what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that you know, Jesus is now our high priest. Jesus had no sin. He had no way that he would ever offended the Father. And he's now gone not just into the holy place of the temple. He's gone into heaven itself to open the way for us to come to God. And so now what that means is that you don't have to be the high priest in order to enter the presence of God, the throne room of God. You don't have to be a high priest. Because Jesus is the high priest, and he said you can come boldly into that very holy place before that awesome God, the, the throne of God himself, and you can ask him whatever you need, whatever you want. That's the assurance that we have. So it's okay to ask God. It's okay to talk to God about anything, to ask him anything. Okay? We can come boldly. But the other attitude that, that goes along with that is kind of the other side of the same coin, and that is that we need to also pray with humility and submission. And learning to listen to God, we can be ready to hear what's on His heart. And so humility and submission then go together with boldness to create this, this right attitude so that we become bold, not just about praying for what we want, but in time, we can become bold to pray for what we know what God wants. Right? And so a lot of times when we pray, it's all about what I desire. That's okay. God says you can ask me that. But the more time I spend connected with Jesus, the more time I spend in prayer and listening to him, then more and more I begin to understand what God wants. And I can pray that way. Because Jesus said it. In, again, the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, pray like this, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So a lot of times we come to prayer, we're praying, God, my will be done. And God, your job is to make sure that what I want gets done. Right? You ever think, come to God like that? Jesus says, no, you know, we're going to make an adjustment to our attitude. We're going to say, God... I want your will to be done, whatever it is, okay? And Jesus himself exemplified this when he went to the cross. And so in Matthew 26, says that he went on a little further. He bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering, he's talking about the cross, may that be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This is the heartbeat of Jesus. He says, God, Father, I want your will to be done, not mine. And here's the thing. As we connect with Jesus more and more, like the branches to the vine, and his life and his heart begins to more and more flow into us and through us, then this begins to be our heart increasingly as well. God, I want your will to be done, not mine. And how do we know what God's will is in prayer? Well, number one, we know it from the Bible. Because God has made his will known in the scripture. And so that's another argument for praying from the words of scripture itself. So that we're praying the will of God. But 
Sometimes the Bible doesn't spell out everything in life in black and white, or it doesn't tell us exactly how to apply a biblical principle in my life situation. So I need to learn to listen to God and hear what His Holy Spirit might be saying to me as I apply that to my life. And so here's how that might work in prayer. I'm praying through my list. I've got my list, and I'm praying for Alpine Church on Saturday morning. And I'm so I get to that point, and I, I, I'm asking God, God, how do you want me to pray for Alpine Church today. God, how do you want me to pray for my kids today? And so listening to God is an important part of intercession. So here's a great quote that says that this is uh, Richard Foster in Celebration of Discipline. He says, listening to the Lord is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing necessary for successful intercession. God, how do you want me to pray? And I believe that God gives us insight as we pray, as we're spending time communing with him, God will nudge my heart to pray a certain thing for a certain person. He'll nudge my heart that I need to confess something. He'll nudge my heart. Maybe I need something I need to do, make a phone call, whatever it is. But he'll, he'll nudge our heart so that we will have insight into how to pray for a particular person at a particular time. And so we learn to pray boldly, not just for what we want, but boldly in submission to what we understand that God wants in our lives. And so, I'm encouraged that as we pray, wherever, I don't know where you're at in, in this, in your own experience, maybe you're just a beginner and you're ready to take the five-minute challenge, right? Or maybe you've been praying for a long time and you've got a good routine and a good habit. Or maybe, I think a lot of us today probably we're just being reminded that we need to get back to what we used to do, right? We, we did that for, and we got busy and, and we got distracted and it's not in our schedule the way it was and, and so we need to get back to that again. My encouragement to you today, look, is I, I want you to see the hope. I want you to see the encouragement of what can happen. I want to encourage you that as you do this, you're going to get more and more connected to Jesus, you're going to get more and more fruitful. And his life in you is going to begin to transform you. And you're going to begin more and more to see the breakthroughs that you want to see happen in your life that God wants to do in your life. And so I encourage you to take some time to think it through, talk it through as a family, but think it through. How are we going to structure our family life together to create a little bit of time that I can do that or that we can do it together? How are we going to organize some things so that we've, I've got a place where I can do that? How am I going to take some steps to, to connect with some good music or to read some psalms that are going to help me to, to start praising God as well as just asking Him for things? And what about my attitude? Am I, have I been bold without being submitted? Have I been submitted without being bold? I think God's going to work and, and, and really speak in our lives as we engage in this purposeful habit of prayer.